human first, everything else after. Welcome to What's Betwixt Us, stories of working while human. I'm Lissa Mandel. What's Betwixt Us is a series of conversations about empathy at work, at work. It's about diving into the messiness and the specificity of being human on the job, any job, and how empathy isn't just a nice-sounding buzzword for company PR. It's a rebellious act of remembering that we're human first, everything else after. Welcome to episode 30, The Big 3-0. Today I'm delighted to chat with executive coach, team developer, psychotherapist, and self-proclaimed soulpreneur, Sue McDonald. Sue combines her years of business experience with her intuitive empathy skills to bring energetic alignment to clients across a variety of industries. We talk about doing versus being, post-traumatic growth, and listening to the wisdom of your body. She says, when someone has an experience of psychological safety, they want more of it. And I want to do the work with people who want to do the work. Well, that makes two of us. She's a treasure. Please enjoy episode 30, Connection Before Content, with Sue McDonald. Well, listeners, welcome back to What's Betwixt Us, the podcast about empathy at work. Today, I am delighted to welcome a friend from all the way across the world in Australia. She is, the, she is an executive coach, a team developer, a psychotherapist, and my favorite part, not a solopreneur, but a soulpreneur. And she works with energetic alignment and energy through inspiration. Please welcome Sue McDonald. <laughs> Hi, Lisa. Lovely to be here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would love to start with, actually, the, the jingle of this uh, podcast is human first, everything else after. And when you hear that, I would love to know what comes to mind right away. Yeah, well, one of my friends, one of my very good friends, Tara, often talks about... Um, something she heard that actually sticks with me for quite a long time now which is connection before content mm. and so you know a lot of my clients love that expression because it allows you to as you're walking into a room just to have that in your mind for me personally I think honestly I'm like I think I'd be fired if I went back into a job now Lisa because I'm actually genuinely all about the connection and so for me, it, that human first, it's just very natural for me. And it has been since I was a kid, um, which sometimes means I can be less task focused than I need to be. Um, but that's OK. I think it's about being nourished. I think it's yes. about feeling full, feeling whole um, feeling a resonance at a deep level with another human being and, and actually realizing that there are boundaries there, that you are one person who is a human who has her own experiences, her own life journey. I have mine. And how, how do we meet with each other with that experience? And um, yeah, that's sort of what comes up for me when you yeah, say that. Yeah, that's perfect. It's perfect. I mean, and I, I, I am the same in that the more I leaned into my authenticity and was really real with myself. I, it's all about connection for me too. And tasks get old very quickly. If I'm doing them by myself, that doesn't hold interest. And that's why <laughs> I pursued a lot of things that happen to do with, you know, working with groups. So I hear you. I hear that's you. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So I would love for you to tell me a little bit about the work that you do and, uh, and, and what brought you to it? What, what in your life 
lit up your soul to do what you do? Yeah, well, look, it was like, um, I hate this phrase, but it, it's, it's, you know, I, I haven't found another one. It was a journey, you know, I think I am, um, I work with individuals, um, mostly in the corporate world, who are high performers to help them sort of what I call get from success to significance. Mm -hmm. So I work with, I'm very lucky in that I work with people that are very um, successful and so are quite open to this type of work. And why that's important to me is that I feel like we only have a limited time on this planet and I want to do the work with people that want to do the work. Mm -hmm. And then I also have the privilege to work with executive teams. Um, and that's trickier, definitely trickier work. <laughs> definitely puts me at my edge several times a year. And sometimes I do that as a co-facilitation and sometimes I do that by myself. Um, and then the third part of my business, which is actually probably my first love, um, and I don't get to do often enough yet, but is more like I work with Reiki and energy and, um, and the way I feel about that is, you know, we all have a physical body, which hopefully we wash every day and we all have an energetic body. And I was telling one of my clients this yesterday who had been through a very significant event. And I said to him, what did you do after the event? Like, how did you soothe yourself how did you take care of yourself and he said well it's Australia I just sucked it up and kept going you know wow. which is very very Australian like just suck it up you know mm -hmm. and I had I was reminding him well actually he didn't know this I didn't know this till recently myself and I think it's where the animal kingdom can teach us so much like if you're a deer and say you're in a field and you're being chased by a wild boar or something and you manage to get away the deer will actually and you probably know this, the deer will actually lie down in the field and, and release the trauma by shaking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we've, we have this modality now for humans called TRE, which is about releasing trauma. And I actually feel like that's critical work that I am just learning myself mm -hmm. because I've had, you know, like all of us, right, we've all had trauma and learning how to release that mm -hmm. and integrate after a trauma is incredibly important and that trauma you know I think when I was growing up trauma was about you know rape going to the Vietnam War whatever now I realize a mini trauma might be you look at your mom for some attention and you don't get what you need yeah, kind of thing absolutely. right so yeah there that's the work I do in the world what led me to it you know I've always worked in sort of organizational development psychology that type of field mm -hmm. and honestly I've said this before I was working with some people really well and other people not so well mm -hmm. and I realized I needed to understand what was it in me that was blocking me being able to work with anyone so I went back and studied psychotherapy having having gone through psychotherapy myself with a beautiful woman called Jackie Fury who's one of my dear friends today and Jackie um Jackie was my coach actually mm -hmm. and I was young quite young to have met her and she said something quite profound to me which I won't embarrass her by saying on the podcast but she said something quite profound to me when I was 30 which changed my life mm -hmm. and I thought wow like to create you know we talked about before to create that amount of psychological safety with one human being is a pretty profound gift to give someone mm -hmm. and so that's what attracted me so and then I went on a big spiritual journey and I even hate saying that because it sounds so kind of woo woo 
but I feel like with each thing in my life, like I've gone from kind of cognitive to more heart based and then to more body based and now more soul based, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. And I'm always, I'm always learning, you know? Always yeah. Learning. I mean, if you're not, if you're not learning, then you're dead. I mean, I think, <laughs> yeah, I think that we're here, we're definitely here to learn. And uh, I love that trajectory. I mean, I have so much to, I have so much to say about it. And I guess how it relates to, to empathy and psychological safety at work, you know, you work with, with, you know, high powered executives. And I know frequently things like psychological safety and empathy and, you know, trauma response are not top of mind, you know, not in the same way that profit margins are. So I wonder how you straddle these two worlds and how you bring in the tools, the energetic tools that you, that you have, how you bring those to these really high powered individuals and teams in a way that they can digest it. Yeah. Look, it's a great question. I think, um, first of all, I would say that what I've learned is when someone has an experience of psychological safety, they want more of it. Mm-hmm. So what I try to do in my own work one-on-one is to create that space with the individual. And some people have actually never experienced that. And once we have that experience, then we can start talking about, hey, how are you showing up with your team? How are you showing up as a leader? How are you showing up as a human being in the workplace? And, you know, we often joke about human doings, right? Like, yeah. it's like, you know, I've got a client who is very honest about the fact that she just wants outcomes, you know, Mm -hmm. and she will go through the kind of the motions to get the outcomes. And, and, you know, I have a massive problem with that because for me, I'm like, well, that's inauthentic. And, you know, energetically we have a nonverbal language before the age of two. So I can read and you can read, you know, when you walk into a room, you can feel the energy right Mm -hmm. and most of us are cut off from that so to answer your question first thing I do is try to create that with the individual the second thing I do is I try to create that for themselves on their own without me because my job is to make myself redundant as quickly as possible my job is to help people be really empowered in their own lives teach them to fish yeah exactly right exactly right you know so I think simple things like breath work Mm -hmm. like gentle meditation coming home to oneself connecting with your inner child Mm -hmm. doing the deeper work around any wounds we have and kind of healing them now again this is a process and I I tend to be very tentative about how I work with people because some people don't want to go anywhere like that and some people do and so you kind of suss that out over the time of working with and then you tailor right according to what they might need and what they might want and as you know sometimes people don't even know what they need Mm -hmm. and I feel like actually as I get older and a little bit wiser it's not my place to tell anyone what they need because I I, how would I know I'm not in your body with your experiences and Mm -hmm. So often I, I often I feel actually that my role is to witness someone and to be with them in whatever they're experiencing and not to have the answers because I don't have the answers. Um, and I think that was a massive growth in my own journey to learn to be willing to be incompetent 
and to say, look, I don't know, but I'm here with you in this, you know? Yeah, that's great. That to be willing to be incompetent, that especially in the Western world is so taboo, I think, you know, because the, 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 the productivity mindset, it's almost like the, the worst humiliation, but we're human beings and everybody is a beginner at something at some point. So, you know, I'm, I'm hard on myself for the same thing. You know, if I do something once and I'm not excellent at it, I feel like a total failure at life, but that's a myth. We are here to evolve in real time. That's right. And look, you know, we, we were talking briefly before we started about the school system and that's, that's set up really to, to, for competence. Mm -hmm. um, so from a very young age, we're getting these messages around, come on, Lisa, do you know, what's the answer? You know, and then we go into a profession, which generally, you know, wants an answer from us. And so to, so, and, and so when someone is at the top of their game, basically, and you're saying to them, hey, I need you not to have the answer right now. That's very hard transition for people to make. I get it. It was very difficult for me. But all I can say is this. My life has been so much more fulfilled and my work has been so much more fulfilled. And actually, I feel really liberated because I don't have all this pressure on me to, to find the answers. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you, where are you? Can I ask you a question? Yeah. yeah. Where are you at in your journey of sort of understanding that about yourself? Yeah, I mean, it's so it's so interesting. There's a, a writer and a spiritual teacher and speaker. His name is Rob Bell. And he's a oh, I love him. Yeah. I saw him when he was in Australia. Amazing. Yeah. yeah, he's so he's a friend of mine. And uh, but I began by listening to his podcast, which is called The Rob Cast. If anybody's listening and, and is interested, it's like. I will, with the caveat that he he comes from a Christian background, but he he moved away from that and now just speaks to to all people. And you know, I come from a Jewish background, like that's not even my that's not even my flavor, but it it still really really speaks to me because he's very down to earth and real. And he had an an episode called Light Heavy Light several years ago, that basically is like the first light is naivete or ignorance and we have the lightness because we haven't gone through the thing the tragedy the conflict whatever and then there's the heavy right where you do go through it and everything seems dark and, and closed and sad but then when you come through that darkness you're back into light light heavy light and that life has a series of these kinds of ebbs and flows and for me you know as i told you i'm 38 and for the past decade i've been in a very light place like the light place after the heavy place but for the past six months i've been back in the heavy place and it's so crazy making because i had thought i was so evolved and I, and I, I, I understood my place in this world. I knew who I was. I knew what I had to offer. And then I just got knocked on my butt uh, in the past six months because of suddenly questioning everything, you know, about relationships, career, literally everything. And it's like, how could I be back at the bottom of that mountain? I climbed to the top of that mountain successfully. So I, I do believe that if I continue to move forward, that there will be light again but like i'm speaking to you from the depths <laughs> yeah you know and i i really 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 hear that and having been in the depth several times myself you know 
um, as one of my mentors who passed away a couple of years ago used to say, you can't really help others until you've sort of been in that room and dark room and lost the key for a little bit, you know? But I almost think, and I know this isn't a very popular thing to say, but I often think we come into life with a particular wound, whatever that wound might be. And let's let's imagine um, it's self-love. We just get different flavors of ice cream of that lesson until we really learn that, right? So I don't know if this is a helpful or a hindrance to you, and I'm certainly not here in any capacity other than one human being to another in this podcast. But what what I find sometimes can help me is to kind of go, ah, okay. I'm back here again, but there's a like a, a deeper layer opening. Yes. Sometimes I see, if, if you call it a technical term, sometimes I see my shit a little bit quicker. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I can be a little more compassionate with myself. And so, you know, I wonder if there's anything there for you to consider. Yeah, for sure. And it reminds me, it so... Uh, Zany, which is of course the app who owns this podcast, this app that's designed to build empathy among teams. We did a lot of research on, you know, how people can can get to know each other in, in deeper, more meaningful ways over time. And we think about humans as onions, right? So you have to begin with the outer layers and then over time with patience, you get deeper and deeper and deeper. And what you're describing sort of sounds like an onion, but with yourself, getting to know yourself in that way. And it also reminds me of, you know, the idea of life being spiralic. And uh, I oftentimes think of, you know, it's not a, it's not a, a straight line up a mountain. It's like you're going around the mountain from the base to the top. And each time you come around to a point that's slightly above where you were further down, you feel an echo of that, an echo of that lesson. It's just the next level of that lesson. Yes, yes, so beautiful, so beautiful. You might like the spiral dynamics type of work. I don't love it. In fact, I was thinking about that when, I I mean, do you, do you want to give a brief, are you prepared to give it to explain briefly what spiral dynamics is? Well, I, I'm not sure, like, I'm not very good at technical stuff. So often I learn models and often I learn things that are intellectual and academic. And to be honest, I kind of just like then work with it in my own way. Mm-hmm. So I actually don't know if I could give an actual definition. Maybe you would be better versed to do That's that. Fair. I, it's funny because I, I love, I'm the same way and I feel like I've integrated the concepts, but do I, can I explain it intellectually? Let's see. It is a, a model of understanding the evolution of humanity and the evolution mm. of, of consciousness, like on large societal levels. And, you know, beginning from the beginning when we were Neanderthals and we were hunting and gathering, and then we were tribes. And it's, it's the, the idea is that each one of those levels has a different color associated with it. And as we move to the next level, it's transcend and include. So we're hopefully taking with us into this next level what worked in the previous level. Ken Wilbur has a a lot of great material on it. But I was, I've been thinking about that a lot, especially with regard to this podcast. And I think that just the fact that we are talking about empathy at work and empathy has become such a huge priority suddenly in the workplace where it really never was before. 
I think is a sign of moving to that next level in the spiral dynamics model. hundred percent. Well, first of all, like that was an amazing description. I couldn't oh. understand that, but thank you. <laughs> um, secondly, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that's spot on. And actually I did some training a long time ago with a woman called Suzanne Cook-Reuter and um, a woman here in Australia who was my coach for a while called Maya Stabenow. I always say her name incorrectly. Sorry, Maya. Maya Stavanovich Andre. And she, um, you can actually measure that through a tool. So you could measure where, you probably know this, but you can measure where people are at individually on a level of consciousness. Mm-hmm. And I actually love working with leaders around a tool like that because it's so holistic. Yeah. It's so deep. Mm-hmm. and you can take it anywhere you want and what I love about it is I find some of the tools that I use in the corporate world that some organizations use I've, I find them quite judgmental huh yeah and it's kind of like well you're not as good as this circle here so you need to kind of you know strive to be there and uh-huh. I actually feel like I was talking to someone recently about this. I actually feel like it encourages more of that behavior that we're trying to change. Yep, exactly. The person I was speaking to who is an expert on this tool was saying to me, yes, yeah, but like you're sort of thinking like 20% of the population, which is let's move beyond a tool and let's kind of integrate and, and, and as you say, transcend. But he said, you're working with 80% of the population. So, you know, you kind of need to meet people where they're at, which is true too. But I don't know. I feel this deep yearning to help people evolve and grow, including myself, without beating ourselves up. Yeah. It's like like what you said, you know, when you don't do something in an excellent way for the first time, Mm -hmm. you know, same for me right and I said to someone last week and she was sitting in my chair crying and I said to her in my 20 something years of doing this work I have never had to look someone in the eye and go you know what you've just been a bit too kind to yourself (laughs) do you know what I mean like and I, I I actually often wonder about that how did we get here as human beings how did we get here and I genuinely mean that that question plays on my mind where you know we're in judgment we're in separation we're constantly evaluating we're comparing I'm like how how did that happen wait but to go back to this how was she being too kind to herself she she was no, letting... I, I was being I was saying to her she was beating herself up oh, and I, oh. <laughs> I have I have never had to say to someone you know what you're being a bit too kind to yourself oh, in okay. other words in other words hey honey let's get a bit kinder here all yeah. right yeah I'm sorry I yeah. didn't pick up the sarcasm no, and I'm I sorry like, I wasn't oh, no. clear <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no no I wasn't being clear but do you know what I mean I just feel like there's this kind of constant fight almost within us oh yeah for sure and I think that that's I think that that is part of the evolution I think the fight within us is we know that the model of society that we live in now is no longer sustainable and is under construction and is on the way out but we're still trying to fit ourselves into it even though inside of us there's something saying it doesn't feel good to work 40, 50, 60, 70 hours a week. Like that's not, you know, there are some days I feel good and other days I don't. And I, I, I published this essay once uh, that was about sort of finding, growing by finding nature. And wow. I, and I said, 
you know, the moon isn't, is only full once a month. Like, why do I have to be every day? And that is a rebellious act. Yes. In the structures that we have now. It is for sure. I'd love to read that essay if you're willing to share it with me. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. I love what you said about, I love what you said about the moon. And actually it's interesting without getting too woo-woo because I know that's not the purpose of this podcast. (laughs) Wednesday is a massive day energetically. You know, it's a super full moon and it's an eclipse. Mm -hmm. And a lot is going to come up emotionally for people. And so I don't really mind what people believe in and what they don't. Like it's not, I mean, I don't have any, I don't really need to convince anyone of anything these days, to be honest. But I definitely know there are cycles in people's lives, right? Even for a woman, you know, if you take their menstrual cycle, right? There are times in that where you want to be yin and be at home and be inward. And yet we're forced to sort of be out there in the world. So we're not even listening to. And I've got a friend who runs her whole business around her cycle. Amazing. And I just adore her because she's like, you know, well, this is what I do my marketing and my business development, because that's when I want to be out in the world and so on and so forth. But to your point, 100%, I think I don't have the answer here, but I know we're not treating Mother Earth well enough. And I know we're not treating ourselves well enough. And in fact, the mindless way in which we're living is the is the antithesis of empathy, isn't it? Oh, I agree completely. I agree. But as you said, it's like there are some tools that are used in companies that claim to be about empathy, but really aren't. They're like the corporate version of something adjacent to empathy. Oh, let's just do this team building day and then forget everything and go back to the grind. And I I think, I mean, maybe this is just wishful thinking, but I think that we are moving past that or away from that. Well, I think every generation is definitely more evolved. Like I'm working with some younger people at the moment and I have to say they're like sponges. They just get this stuff. They don't have to work through as much treacle, you know, to sort of open up. I think every generation is becoming like, I mean, hopefully we're more evolved than our parents. Our kids will be more evolved than us, et cetera. You know, even in schools, they're teaching different things now. I don't know what it's like in the US, but certainly here in Australia, you know, we are teaching mindfulness to kids. We are teaching meditation. We are teaching how to manage anxiety. Mm -hmm. So even that's a massive change, you know, in terms of how we educate. Yeah, it's definitely a, it's definitely a step forward from uh, the Pledge of Allegiance that we say to the flag. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. But the other thing, and you know, in the context, I mean, uh, you know, as one of my clients says, Sue, context is everything. In the context with which we're operating post-COVID, you know, overwhelm gets in the way of empathy. Yes. And I am dealing with a lot of overwhelmed people right now. Mm. And as you say, it's just not sustainable. And I read something yesterday, which really touched me. I'm not going to, I can't even remember who wrote it and I'm not going to quote it exactly correctly, but it was like, self-care is not the answer here. It's actually about caring for each other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I thought that's really beautiful because there's something in that, that is this, as you say, this, how do we make life more sustainable? How do we come back to a community? How do we come back to, instead of comparing and evaluating being and flowing a bit more you know I have a really good friend who said to me yesterday look you know she's made some decisions in her life to give herself more time and space and I said what are you going to do she's like I want to watch the sunset yeah I want to sit and read a book 
I want to, you know, and all the things that she said were very being oriented. And I left that conversation inspired and motivated to make change in my own life. I mean, that, as we were talking about before we started recording, I was sort of saying coming back to New York was traumatic for me because I had been living in Los Angeles and California has a much slower pace and it's a much more delicious way of life. I mean, the fresh produce and the sunshine and the nature, the plant life, the mountains. And, and I felt very much there. Like one of my first thoughts that I had when I moved there was, oh, I think I accidentally retired early because it's so, my body wasn't used to relaxing in that way or enjoying like that. But that's, that's just the way of life there. Even serving tables there, it was just much slower. It was much chiller. People weren't jumping down your throat. And so it was a very much, a, I was being, and that, and coming back to New York, it is a very doing city. It's a very masculine kind of energy. And it, it is just about ambition moving forward. And my body's like, sorry, we can't do this anymore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, it sounds like you're listening to the wisdom of your body more. I can't, I can't unhear it, yeah. you know, and, but, I, but it's heartening to me to hear you talk about other people having that experience as well. And I, I think and hope that that is the direction that we're moving in. And one of the things about spiral dynamics is that, you know, when 10% of the population, uh, 10% of the population is the tipping point for when you move into the next level, quote unquote. Right. I didn't know that. And you know, even just looking at how much, how much more empathy is, is valued, how much more people talk about trauma publicly, how much more there's meditation, you know, 15 years ago, meditation was only for hippies and now it's everywhere. So I think that we're, we've reached this tipping point, you know, and, uh, I hope. I, I, and I also, you know, I don't want to be nearly negative here, but two things. One, I would say I totally agree with that. Like 15 years ago, I was teaching meditation in PricewaterhouseCoopers and I had to call it High Performance Mind to get, <laughs> yeah. to get, the, to get the partners to come along, you know. We were working with a beautiful woman called Gita Bellin who, you know, we just had this philosophy, I suppose, let's just get them in the door and kind of see what happens, you know. Yeah. But I, I do have a little bit of a fear, actually, and I don't know that this is the place to raise it. So if it doesn't feel appropriate for this podcast, we can just move through it. But I do have a little bit of a fear. Are we really truly learning empathy or are we becoming a little more narcissistic? Mm. So what I mean by that is like, I hear also a lot of self-absorption and, yeah. not, and, and actually, you know, that this progress in being willing to talk about our feelings, but how do we really hold space for the other person and, and their experience and, you know, how do we teach people how to be empathic, right? Because there's cognitive empathy, as you would know, there's all these different types of empathy. How do we teach people? And, and my experience of the corporate world, including me being in the corporate world for a long time, is we operate from here up, from the neck up. Right. Yeah. So I love, I love the fact that, you know, we started this part well, before we recorded, you know, you were talking about your somatic work. Mm-hmm. because I think that is the way right because the body knows the body keeps the score as yeah. Bessel van der Kolk says right the, the the wisdom in the body the coming into the now and as you say you can't unhear it I love that yeah you know yeah. when we get connected and I see what you mean about the fear of the narcissism and the self-absorption and 
I mean, I do think that's happening. And, but also an interesting thing about if for listeners who want to get, you know, nerdy about spiral dynamics, check it out. When you move from, okay, so green, green is basically what happened in the sixties. It became about letting everybody's voice be heard and about, you know, protecting the environment and all, you know, and you can see that there are cities in the, in, in the United States that are very green in this way, like Portland and San Francisco and, uh, but also what I learned about spiral dynamics is that every other tier is about either self-expression or self-denial in some way. And that the green level is very much about self-denial. It's not about me. It's not about me at all. But the yellow level, which is actually after that, is self-expression while including the voices of everybody mm-hmm. else as well. So that is the the higher form of consciousness. And so I, because we can't, unless we really do value and love and listen to our own selves, we're not going to have the bandwidth to really value or listen to somebody else. Right. So they both have to exist, you know, but I do agree that there is some, I think we've gotten in trouble with people who have been raised to be rugged individualists. I mean, you can see that with, you know, anti-mask people, for instance, that's, they can't put the community first. It's all about them, 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 and their rights. So I don't know. It's like we're evolving on two parallel tracks right now. We are, we are. And then, you know, I think I have a slightly different perspective on the anti-mask people, you know, so I think, I think there's that actually really, I think COVID has brought up a lot of interesting topics for yes. uh, how do we, how do we both hold lightly and loosely our beliefs and be willing to experience what the other is saying in a dialogic type of way Mm -hmm. rather than a debating type way Mm -hmm. which is you know I'm right and you're wrong or vice versa Mm -hmm. and I just I actually feel deeply saddened that that's where we're at as 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 a as a collective really in a lot of cases we're in that this is what's the right thing to do and you're wrong and as I said to you I'm sorry for coughing I've got some respiratory issues at the moment so it's actually really hard for me to wear a mask Mm -hmm. I have an exemption from my doctor but we don't have to wear masks anyway here we're very lucky but we did go through a couple of periods where we had to and the amount of judgment I got from people because they assumed I was an anti-masker rather than actually a little bit of curiosity and inquiring rather than going straight to you're doing the wrong thing And I just find that also interesting because where's the empathy in that, you know, mm-hmm. or where's the empathy in me understanding where some people are in fear? Exactly, exactly. And I do think that, you know, I, I stand by the goal to let my curiosity override my fear at every turn possible. And I think that you're right that especially in periods of major universal crisis, you know, like a pandemic, people revert to a a previous level of consciousness because there's it's primal it primal yes exactly exactly I, i'm just saying I, I hope that it's it's like two steps forward one step back and then two steps forward you know that after all of this like one can hope i don't pray for you know i don't pray for a global pandemic i don't pray for a global trauma but i do know that trauma does bond people and bring people together so yeah well i love my, do you know maston kipp's work Mm-mm. no he's an, he's an American and um I don't know why I said that <laughs> because you're American 
<laughs> but he's he's a really beautiful guy. I saw him a few times when he was in Australia. He's had his own experience with trauma and he has done a lot of work on um, helping people connect to their trauma body, actually. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I love about him is he doesn't actually have any qualifications in this area, but mm-hmm. he is an expert, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And so he's had a lot of flack from people who are psychotherapists, psychologists going, you don't know what you're talking about. Anyway, he, he talks about the concept, which I love, instead of post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, he talks about post-traumatic growth. And what can happen us as humans if we integrate our trauma? Yes. And, you know, it's funny. I was talking to one of my mentors about this the other day because I've had to move three times in the last four years because of this horrific genetic allergy I have to some to mold and it keeps reappearing in my life. And so the, without going into detail, the first time I moved... I really didn't want to. And she said to me the other day, Sue, look back on four years ago and think about where you were, where you were living. And I was living in quite a manic place. It was a very doing place, you know, it was in the Eastern suburbs and it was all about like fast paced, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I moved to what they call the snoozy North shore, but I love it. Like I absolutely love it here. And like you were saying about, it's not exactly California, but I felt my body relax. Yes. And she said to me, I know this is really hard what you're going through, but it's like, it's your next evolution. And it's actually about how do you lean into this Mm -hmm. and be with it? And, you know, I suppose the feeling I most resonate with at the moment is peace. Oh, how lucky are you? That's excellence. No, no, not all the time, but I'm saying (laughs) I've 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 had glimpses of it, right? Yeah moments of it and I go well and and what I feel in my body is this is how I want to feel more whereas I think when I was younger I was very dramatic I was all about the highs and the lows and the the relationships that were dysfunctional and give me the most dysfunctional blah 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 you know um all the story and and I think a lot we have to look at our family of origin and we have to look at how we grew up and go well how did that impact me and my attachment style I mean there's so many Mm -hmm. we could take this in lots of different places Lisa Mm -hmm. yeah I mean I love it I would I I feel like we could probably talk for several hours about all (laughs) kinds of things but I, I I feel like that the a desire to no longer have the, the crazy roller coaster ups and downs, but to just have a more serene sort of peace as a default, I think that bespeaks a more evolved consciousness. I mean, I want that now too, which is crazy to me because as somebody who's been in the arts for so long, you know, as an actor and a comedian, you know, the, the ups and downs is like what keeps the dopamine, yes. you know, but I'm tired from that and wouldn't it be nice if just every day I could just have coffee on my porch in the sun and right. you know spend as much time outdoors as possible and maybe I only have one activity in a day as opposed to seven that I, I think is a healthy way to want to be amazing and I think that shows the generational shift you know because as as you mentioned your age you know I'm 50 and so you, I can even see like I wish I'd had that wisdom at 38 Mm -hmm. like that's deep wisdom right there (laughs) thank you I hope so if I listen to it you know if I listen to it I I want to ask you a question I ask all my guests a question that comes out of the the zany uh database which you know 
which asks a question every week to start dialogue. So totally unrelated to work. The question that I chose for you is, uh, what is your go-to place, public or private, to feel big feelings? Mm. Look, it depends on the feeling I want to feel. <laughs> Fair. So I like honestly, I have very different places in myself and externally, depending on how I want to feel. Mm. If I want to feel rage, like I'll go to the ocean, you know, because uh, I love the, I love the moods of the ocean, and I grew up by the ocean, so there's something very familiar about the sea air and the salt, and I can connect with that rage. If I want to feel peace, you know, I take myself internally back to a place that I grew up, which is anyone listening to this who is from, sorry, who's from Dublin would would um, would know this. It's a uh, it's a place called the Wooden Bridge in Clontarf, where I grew up. And I grew up a Catholic. And even though I wouldn't call myself a strict Catholic now, I still remember this walk along the Wooden Bridge. And at the end, there is a statue of Our Lady that is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen because it's surrounded in, in sort of, well, this is my memory. Maybe this is wrong, but it, in my head, it's surrounded by jewels. And the sun sparkles on that. And it's just, I feel like I'm transcending. Mm -hmm. you know and I can take myself there like that in a meditation to that place so they're just two examples I could I could keep going <laughs> <laughs> well I mean why well, I think one of the best tools to use in in meditation in you know regulating the the autonomic nervous system is to have a place a, a safe space that you can go to in your brain that is something you know in nature and then to connect sensorily to everything there and so I have a couple of I have a couple of touch points that I go to internally if I can't get to expansive yes. externally it's important right mm -hmm. very, and, very and your favorite place a place at well Topanga Canyon in in California and Joshua Tree National Park and also the um the observatory in Los Angeles, the Griffith Observatory that's at the top of a mountain in Griffith Park. And if you go at sunset, it's so amazing because like the first time I went there, it was some random weekday, a Tuesday or Wednesday. There were tons of people there. It was almost like they were gathered to for an event, like to see a fireworks show, but they were there to see the sunset. Wow. And that just happens every day there. I mean, how, what a gift, you know, when I, yes. I live in New York and I don't see any sunsets, the buildings block the whole horizon. So, oh, it's very special. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I um, that will, first of all, go on my list of to-dos <laughs> yes. when we can travel again and, and how beautiful that you've discovered a place like that. And are you wearing amber, can I ask? I am wearing amber. This was my grandmother's. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. Was she Polish? What? Is it was she Polish, your grandmother? I, there is some mixture of Ukrainian, Polish and Hungarian on both sides right. of the family. Yeah. Because yeah. it's very Eastern European. Yeah. I mean, amber is, and it's. It's so grounding, Amber. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's power. Um, Beautiful. My mother, when she passed, she left me a signed copy of Eleanor Roosevelt's biography, autobiography. Oh my God, that's so beautiful. <laughs> I know, I know. So, so she's the power around me for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, our ancestors are so present. I think so too. You know, there are going to be 
there are going to be people who listen to this episode who absolutely love it and become hooked. And there are going to be people who are like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Who is that chick that Lisa had on that mad Irish woman? And where, where did the rationality go? Look, you know, I'm cool with that. If you are, I I think that I think that each to his own and you know if something speaks to someone today great if it doesn't that's cool too you know I agree I agree you know I'm at the helm of this ship and I approve this message (laughs) (laughs) this is what I love to talk about well Sue McDonald tell (laughs) tell, please tell the listeners um, where they can find out more about you well, I'm on suemcdonald.com.au. I post a lot on LinkedIn, actually. That's my main sort of platform. And yeah, I that's it, really. Not Obviously, you need to work on the elevator speech, Lisa. You can edit that bit out. No, no. <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, it's been a joy oh, talking to you. The pleasure is all mine. This is wonderful. I really... I really appreciate how much of your authentic self you bring to your work every day. And I think the people, the people need it. So thank you you for that. And you too, Lisa, you too. Thanks for being willing to discover this world of empathy and to bring it to the world. Like I absolutely love your podcast. So I will continue to listen and I'd love to stay in touch. Absolutely. It'll happen. All right. Thank you so much, Sue. Thanks for coming. Have a great rest of the night. You too. Good luck with your future. Thanks for tuning in to episode 30 of What's Betwixt Us, Stories of Working While Human. To learn more about Sue's transformative work for teams, culture, and individuals, visit suemcdonald.com.au. What's Betwixt Us is powered by Zany, designed to build trust and authentic human connection in remote workspaces. More at Z-A-N-I-E dot A-P-P. Human first, everything else after. Human first, everything else after.